0: Got to give it to Clark Lee, his staff overhaul and complete reorg of the program just may lead them to a bowl game. let's go. You are locked on Vandy, your daily podcast on the Vanderbilt Commodores, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Vandy Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Corey Burton. Today we're going to discuss that overhaul of the program, including new staff roles and how they factor in. We're going to look at the transfer corners and see what they allow Clark Lee to do on defense. And then also on the baseball side, Carter Holton is back from injury. He's ready to take command of the mound. So let's, uh, let's go. Thank you for making locked on Vandy your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as a part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. So today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more new customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. So Vandy's two and 10 season. Okay, Now, you look at that on the surface, and you're like, man, that's terrible. But it sparked a complete overhaul of the football operation, and that's probably the best thing Clark, Clark Lee has done. And it just may lead them to a bowl game, and here's why. All right? And it's leading to a lot of optimism. All right? And, and, and because, because of that, I think there's a new excitement uh, within the program. I think some of the things that he's done staffing-wise has led to – uh has led to elevated results led to positive things in recruiting scouting and coaching and roster management overall so things are just different right the vibe is different and when you look at the way this staff is 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 broken up I, I think there are perfect people in perfect roles now when I say perfect I'm not I don't mean like perfect perfect but I mean like perfect for that role and perfect for the situation. All right, for example, you're able as a struggling head coach and struggling is probably putting it mildly to this point. Um, if you want to seek to understand, I think you've got to put yourself in a position to where you can start to gain that knowledge. And what Clark Lee has done is hire Jerry kill, Jerry kill health problems, Great program leader has been successful every time he every time he steps into that leadership role at a different program. He's been successful each time he's been knocked out by health issues. And it's something that I know bothers him. Um, but for him to get into these advisory roles, like he did at TCU, helping Gary Patterson, and then now at Vanderbilt, helping Clark Lee, and we will only see what those results yield. Um, but I think they're going to be positive ones because he's going to he's going to have a lot of wisdom to impart as far as program building, program management, where to be a head coach, where to be a coordinator, where to be. Re- Lead recruiter, scout, like all the different hats you have to wear as a head coach. I think having a guy like Jerry Kill as a special consultant and is very, very beneficial. Um, so he is the he is the senior offensive analyst is his title, um, but he he is he is somebody that's going to help build uh, the bridge between Tim Beck and Clark Lee. He's going to have a lot of things that that Clark Lee can bounce off of him. Um, almost kind of like a sounding board, if you will. Um, so Jerry Kill being in that role is absolutely incredible. Obviously, I have gone uh, gone on about Tim Beck and what he means and what he brings to the table uh, as far as scheme goes. Uh, I, I think what he does is unique enough and versatile enough that he can fit different, different uh, styles of quarterback because Nate Johnson and Diego Pavia – are the same, but in a, in a lot of ways they're different as well. And I think uh, when you look at the two freshman quarterbacks that they signed, they're also the same way. Whit Muschamp and uh, Jeremy St. Hilaire are, are both similar, it's the same, but different uh, in, in the same ways that Pavia and uh, Nate Johnson are. So you've got Tim Beck as a coordinator uh, who's also going to coach quarterbacks. Uh, you get a new running backs coach in, uh, Golly Mohamed Langford, another. Voice in there to kind of bolster that new scheme. So uh, Jeff Lepac, uh coming in as the tight ends coach and special teams coordinator, like elevating him from an analyst role. You know, you bring in a lot of outside guys, and then you show these analyst guys, these young analyst role guys, that hey, if you, if you, you know, if you bust it you can get into one of these full-time coaching roles. Like there is precedent set now that if you do a good job as an analyst, there's a really good chance that you would get a full-time on the field coaching slot or a counted coach uh, if you if you do a really good job. And Jeff Lopak did just that as an analyst. Uh, you get another key analyst coming in uh, to help with special teams. And I talked about that on an episode um, with, um, with Shane Gallant, coming in as a special teams analyst coming in from what was the number one ranked special teams unit uh, in the country from Mississippi state. So um, he's coming in to kind of fill that need. And and if there's an analyst position, that's that's probably the most important analyst position because they do a lot of the scheme work, the breakdown work uh, so that the, the guy coordinating the special teams on the field can have all the information right there at his fingertips. So, Again, that has been incredible. Uh, overhauling the off-the-field staff, uh, where you have um, Harding Harper as the director of scouting, I think having him is 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 key because he a played at Vanderbilt. We t- I talked about this as well. He played at Vanderbilt, um, and he has been other places in this uh, director of scouting role that will allow him to. Keep an eye on the transfer portal, keep an eye on recruits, and it allows them to have this advantage of getting an early jump on some of these targets. Like uh, like Shakai, uh the Shakai Mills kid from Baylor, getting in early on a target like that will help you land some of those targets instead of being slow to offer and being slow to evaluate and slow to recruit. I think this helps speed this whole process up because in the recruiting world now it's evolved to where if you're not on a kid early, they're probably not coming to your program. And that allows a set of eyes that is dedicated to just that. And so that, again, um, I think him understanding needs of, okay, I need to have eyes here, 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 and here, and here. I can't put my eyes on here. And uh, that's an expectation when I say I, I'm talking as Clark Lee, I set the expectation of, Hey, this stuff needs to be done, but I can't do it all. And the people that I've hired either a, I don't have enough staff and there's been a lot of like roadblocks and things like that speed bumps that have allowed for some of this stuff to not happen. But I think Jerry kill and I think he's also reached out to other places and looked at other programs and looked at the constru- the constructs of other of other programs and seen that, okay, I need this, this, and this, right? I need somebody good in this role. It's important. I need, you know, I'm going to take over play calling. I'm saying I as Clarkley now, pretend I'm Clark Lee for now. I need help in play calling, so I'm going to hire New Mexico State's defensive coordinator uh, to come over and coach my safeties, So that I can call plays and he can kind of help me coordinate things uh, on on day to day and practice plans and drill work and some of the stuff that you would do as an assistant coordinator instead of uh, a head coach coordinator. So uh, that that is extremely beneficial. And you have his head coach that he worked for the last two seasons there to vouch for him. So it's an easy opportunity for him. And I think it's an opportunity for him to grow under Clark Lee to be able to eventually take over full-time defensive coordinator duties and, and allow Co- uh, Clark Lee to become that head coach and, and in that regard. So I think Jared kills also in his ear about being more involved in every aspect of the program. It's not meddling. If you're the head coach, it's being involved and in making sure things are running efficiently while still trusting your guys to do their job that's been an important mindset shift. Uh, The transfer portal. They've hit the transfer portal a little bit harder. Now they, they've had a unique approach to it, but as Vanderbilt, you have to have a unique approach to it because like, you can't go and get the top guys. Like Caleb Downs was never going to come to Vanderbilt, Like That that's never going to happen. That was never going to happen. And and if anybody ever thought that, then they're pretty crazy. But uh, for them to, you know, they have to go needs based on this stuff. Like when you look at stars and five stars and four stars and three stars, like when you get below the obvious five star Sunday players, like when you look at a player, you can know, especially if you're a coach or director, Scott, like, you know, like you watch this player and you just know that they're special. Otherwise you're looking for fits, right? How does he fit? What we do is, is, And that's going to determine his success as a player in your program. Now, with the three wide receivers that just left, they weren't necessarily fits, but like the thing they didn't fit into is now gone. So who knows if they would have fit into Tim Beck system? They didn't. I guess didn't want to uh, stick around and find out. But um, you know, I, I think you know they've gone to places where they feel like they're going to be better fits, culturally better fits. Scheme-wise, um, and, and they just kind of take all that into account. What Vanderbilt has to do is they have to get guys in order to in, in order to improve the culture, and this is part of the overhaul of the of the mindset now. So the overhaul of the staff, which you know just mentioned that, but with that comes an overhaul in the mindset of what we have to do to construct this roster, and you have to find unique guys that have chips on their shoulder. Like Diego Pavia has a massive chip on his shoulder right? Loic found coming from Texas tech. Oh, you're injured. Oh, you're not successful. Oh, you know, you're, you're clashing with the coaches. Oh, you're, you're just not getting these opportunities. He has a chip on his shoulder. He has something to prove, right? Jeremiah Dillon. He was buried on the depth chart at Ole Miss. He has something to prove. Ole Miss is, Ole Miss was a really, really loaded roster at that position. So now Vanderbilt has given him an opportunity to come in, compete be the lead guy and say hey you want to be a lead guy here's your shot let's go get it and that's that's part of the mindset shift like they're 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 getting absolute dogs in uh, in in these positions steven lasoya coming in as an interior offensive lineman he's kind of a jack of all trades he's probably going to work himself into a starting role at one of the guard spots because he's just that's his mentality like he wants to prove himself That's the shift in mentality that has happened with this staff and the reason why there's optimism and it's the reason why there is uh, it's the reason why that their goal of making a bowl game is well within reach and very achievable. And like I said, starts with the Virginia Tech game early on, the tone will be set uh, in that game. And I think it's a winnable game because of this mindset shift. And we'll dive more into the different avenues and we'll burrow in as spring practice goes in this summer, uh, as we get on the eve of a uh, fall camp. And then in the season, it'll be report card time. And we'll see how all of these changes play out on the field with a really, really tough schedule. So um, when we come back, uh, we're going to look talking transfer portal. Obviously we're going to, we're going to take a look at some of the transfers um, that we've spotlighted a little bit early on, but now we're going to, Now I'm going to tell you how they fit into the scheme and what they allow Clark Lee to do uh, defensively because of their presence. Don't go away. All right. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. What I love is I love everything about Super Bowl Sunday. I'll be honest. The game is always good, always exciting. The food is always uh, top-notch, and the commercials have rarely disappointed me. I just like the entire experience on Super Bowl Sunday. And that comes into also betting on Super Bowl Sunday. I've done squares. I don't know if FanDuel does squares. I'll have to investigate that. If not, FanDuel, if you're listening, Super Bowl squares are a really, really good uh, option. Uh, Not only, but I also like doing the player props, the anytime touchdowns and the number of receptions and all that stuff. But uh, FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl Fifty Eight, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown. That's anytime touchdown. How many points will be scored? Uh, the over/under, um, the, just the basic spreads. They have a lot of prop bets and a lot of player bets, and so and a lot of game prop bets too. So, new customers, join today, and you'll get two hundred dollars in bonus bets if your first bet of five dollars went or more wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right. Welcome back. It is segment number two. Uh, This is the locked on Vandy podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen. Make sure you make locked on SEC your second listen and make sure also while you're doing that, you follow us on social media at locked on Vandy on X and Instagram. You can follow my personal uh, X account at coach Burton 36 and you can see everything that I'm involved in. Um, You can find us on YouTube and wherever you find your podcast, wherever you find your podcast on the audio side. Um, and big special thank you to the everydayers without you guys. It wouldn't be able to do what I do. So uh, talking transfer portal guys, uh, talking the quarterback position, right? Uh, this is not a full-on position preview, but I do want to highlight uh, because we talked on yesterday's episode, we talked the uh, we talked about the, the um, defensive philosophy and what that means for. Uh, for Clark Lee and, and what he's able to do and what he's planning on doing. So each position kind of feeds into what you're able to do. Now, one thing I noticed about last year's group, and I don't know how much Clark Lee got involved with the defense uh, and the defensive play calling or the day-to-day stuff. It At a 2-10 and 10 record, it seems like he probably wasn't involved in much, but who knows? He just seemed detached at times, and, and there was major, major miscommunications. And and so I, I think the most important thing for these guys, and I, I think they will allow, especially Marlon Jones, I think they will allow Clark Lee to do a lot of different things pressure-wise because I think he wants to be aggressive. But if he doesn't trust his defensive backs, he can't be. So these two allow him a little bit of freedom to be able to bring pressure on the quarterback, which is something that Vanderbilt needs to be able to do because I don't think they're going to be able to get home with just four. Like, they're not going to be able to play standard uh, fronts and coverages and and stunts. So um, one of the things that these guys will have – one of the requirements of this job at corner is going to have to be stellar communication, especially in some of these zone coverage packages. And these corners are going to have to be able to – communicate with safeties, make sure everybody's on the same page of, hey, if my guy, if this guy, if number one vacates, you know, you, I got to pass them off and drive down or whatever the coverage, whatever the requirements of the coverage is, they have to be able to relay that information across and they have to be able to receive that information from the safeties and then be able to relay it back if there's any sort of adjustments and things like that. So um, you get, a couple of all-conference guys. Uh, Marlon Jones, he uh, he was first-team all-big sky at cornerback coming from Eastern Washington. Uh, he's a special, special guy. I, I think he's somebody that's very versatile, and he's going to allow uh, for you to play some combo coverages and things like that. We'll see kind of how much he can digest as far as combo coverages, but I, I think his skill set allows him to play some man-to-man, which down in the red zone – Clark Lee likes to play some man to man. So if you got a guy that can press and run and lock down a number one receiver, I think you allow yourself to put more guys in pressure. You allow yourself more movement on the back end, uh, or at least with the safeties where you can get some, some bracketing and some help and some things over the top. But I think to be able, if you're a good man team, which Marlon Jones seems to be a good man corner you can pressure and that's going to allow Clark Lee to get creative and that's going to be scary because if he can if he can get creative with pressures he can bring guys from all different angles confuse offensive lines and if offensive lines can't protect quarterbacks can't throw no matter who you are and this is not a extremely strong quarterback conference right it's okay it's good like you're not and you don't you don't have to go against Carson Beck this year with uh, which who's probably going to be the best, uh, best quarterback in this in this conference, um, and I don't know that there's a, a Jaden Daniels like KJ Jefferson is out of the out of the conference. You're not playing Arkansas anyway, but, um, you know if you if you just look at Vandy's schedule, and I may do that on, on a future episode. But if you look at Vandy's schedule look at all the quarterbacks that they have to contend with, um, I don't think it's that frightening. So if you can get some really good pressures on them, uh, and your guys on the back end communicate and hold up, you're good. Now Colby Taylor is somebody that's going to allow you to play some different zones. Cause he's just so freaking long. Like he's, he's just, he's stretched, man. He's six, four and he's built like a really, really good zone corner and just takes up a lot of space. He's somebody that just, you just look out there and he just looks physically imposing and it, it just makes you not want to go that way. And it's, it, it's a little bit of a psychology hack there because you know, if you see somebody that big out there, out there and you look out quarterback comes and makes all his reads. He's like, okay. okay. All right. Uh, oh no. Right. And you're not going to attack this guy. Sublim- subliminally you're thinking I better really, really be accurate. And if you can get a quarterback overthinking things, overanalyzing things, especially with his mechanics, you're in a good spot because like you could, like that guy will make some mistakes because he's thinking about his feet. Like, really good quarterbacks think about their feet Monday through Thursday. On game day, they don't think about their feet. Think about all the good ones, right? Like, I guarantee you, if you ask Peyton Manning, and I know this is kind of an extreme example, but if you ask Peyton Manning, or even Jay Cutler, we'll, we'll give you a Vandy example. If you ask some of those guys, right, in the list, if you ask a long list of very successful college quarterbacks, and even the pros, they aren't thinking about footwork during a game because they've developed, they've burned it to mul- into muscle memory. Thinking about your feet is a summer thing, a summer workout thing where you're out getting extra work and you're thinking about how your drop, how your feet are hitting and how you're driving off your feet and all, all the above. And when you do, if you think if you can get a quarterback to think about his mechanics, thinking about his arm slot, thinking about how fast he's got to get the ball out, and and foregoing his progressions, that's a win because a pressure is going to get there, and b it might force him an errant throw, and a lot of errant throws not towards the sideline usually end up as interceptions. So it puts your defense in a really really good spot if you can kind of force the quarterback to think about other things instead of his reads. And so having a big guy standing out there certainly is a step in the right direction. And Colby Taylor certainly does that coming from Wyoming. And he's just stretched, man. Like he may not be the greatest corner on of all time, but he's got something to prove. And he's just a big imposing target out there. And so for that, he'll be good. Is he great with hip turns and things like that, when you break him down physically, no, he's not a great corner. He's not somebody that that you look at and go first rounder. I guess he's not that, and that's okay. He doesn't have to be that. If he's if he's just good, if he's just a solid college corner that understands coverages, he's going to be successful. And because of his size, he's going to be successful. It's the psychology of it all. So, anyway, um, that's what they present. That's that's the kind of stuff they present. Or if you got a, or if you got Marlon Jones, who's really good in press coverage. If you got him in the guy's face, right, you think twice about it a little bit because oh, you see him in the face. Okay, I got pressure, so I got to think about the pressure instead of thinking about what my progression is. And so quarterbacks can get off target like that. Anyway, when we uh, when we get back, we're gonna uh, Carter Holton is healthy finally he was healthy this summer he's finally ready to go he's been working hard uh, getting his command back uh, and he's ready to roll for for vandy baseball stay tuned All right. Welcome back. It is the third and final segment. We've got a few minutes here left. I um, want to thank you Everydayers, for making all this possible, man. You guys are, you guys are killing it for me, man. 175 subscriptions in a month. Let's just keep that rolling, man. Uh, the goals, the, my first goal is to get to 250. If we get to 250, I'll start doing a a, a regular scheduled uh, YouTube short segments uh, series as well. Uh, try to make that, you know, we'll start it three days a week and, and go from there. Uh, If we get to 500, I'll start – I might add a live stream in there. If we can get to 1,000 – well, actually, no, that's 1,000. If we get to 1,000, I'll add a live stream. If we get to uh, 500, uh, I'll try – I'll figure out what what 500 looks like. So stay tuned on that. But anyway, lots of goals ahead of us, uh, lots of goals ahead of this Vanderbilt football team. But we're going to flip the script over 15 days until baseball season opens up. Uh, They open up with FAU. I think Florida Atlantic, uh, I, I do believe. Um, and this baseball team is ready to go. They have a lot of answers to to seek. They have a lot of questions to have answered, I should say. Uh, one of them is the pitching staff. Who's going to fit in where? You have likely you have five starter spots, three weekenders, two, two weekday guys, uh, which will morph into one weekday guy as the season goes because you'll have that one – Uh, random weekday game Uh, early on is a bunch of weekday, like two gamers and things like that, where you'll need two starters, but like you need somebody that for that second weekday starter role, you need somebody that's like, uh, could be a starter. Like if injury happens or like, as soon as there's no need for two weekday starters, they roll into the bullpen. So you need somebody kind of like that, not your closer, not your setup guy, but somebody that's in middle relief or long relief that, that would, would likely, Like if two guys went down, he would likely get into a significant starting role. So um, there's a lot of candidates for that. And, um, you know, there's a lot of candidates for the Sunday starter role. There's a lot of candidates for Friday and Saturday spots. All spots are important uh, in this pitching staff. And and Carter Holton is somebody that I think will be able to fit in. I I think talent-wise, he has the ability to get in that weekend rotation. Whether he's a Sunday guy yet or not, that remains to be seen. That's going to be kind of played out um, as the as preseason goes along, and and even into some of these early games, uh, they're going to kind of solidify who pitches where, um, and it's going to come down to command and uh, throwing strikes and throwing strikes consistently over six or seven innings. So, um, and the bullpen's deep, so like there are times where like you're able to preserve some of these starters a little bit for later on in the season in this regional super regional Omaha runs uh, that you're, that you're looking for. So uh, Carter Holton is somebody that, that I think fits in really nicely to this pitching staff. He's uh, he's got a lot, he's got a powerful arm. Uh, He's got a live arm, a lot of pop on his fastball. Uh, I think the thing that plagued him before he got injured was uh, just consistent command. And that's something a lot, like, you could probably ask a lot of pitchers, I think every pitcher out there will tell you that they wish their command was better, but like Carter Holton, I think got into a little bit of, uh, he got a little bit into the yips or where he just walked too many batters uh, at certain times. And when when you kind of, and it kind of snowballed on him a lot. Like when you walk two or three guys, it kind of gets in your head a little bit. And I think that's kind of what happened to Carter Holton. Then he got hurt and then now he was just really that no, was just really in his head. So, um, but he's healthy, ready to go. He's been he's been doing well in bullpen sessions and scrimmages and fall ball and Cape League stuff and any opportunities he's had to pitch competitively, uh, he's done really really well. And his command reportedly is a lot better. We'll see when they start really playing the season for real just where that happens. So, um, Carter Holton, I think adding pitches to his arsenal is beneficial. Um, the slider that he's going to add is going to add pizzazz to his, to his, uh, to his arsenal of pitches. So, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about what's, uh, what's happening there. Uh, I, I think he's somebody that, um, when he gains command of it, you'll know right away because he'll just jump right off the page to you. And he's somebody that could instantly roll into that Sunday starter spot, uh, just based on what he can do. Uh, from a command, from a command uh, aspect. So I'm um, really excited about him, but he he's somebody that's worked really hard. And I, I think he's somebody that when you have Devin Futrell, you have Bryce Cunningham, you have, uh, you have Duke or Alex Dukanich, but we call him Duke. Uh, when you have those guys and they're rolling, you have a fourth guy, like you have four guys for three spots. Like it's a good problem to have. And so it's going to, like I said, it's going to come down to command. It's going to come down to consistently throwing strikes and getting guys out. Can you get guys out? Do you throw a heavy baseball? Can you keep the ball on the ground? Can you keep it in the park? Um, can you keep these guys off the bases for the most part? Now, obviously, you're going to walk some people. Uh, and You're probably going to have, there's going to be some days where you get kind of, kind of beat up. If you're a pitcher and you haven't been beat up, you just haven't pitched much. So um, how the bullpen's going to shake out, who's going to be like your top relievers, who's going to be your closer, that's all to remain to be seen. So uh, this, like I said, I've said it on X, I've said it everywhere else. This pitching staff is really deep. Lots of talent here. Um, Some of these guys coming off injury, you hope that they just kind of continue to develop and develop ways to be able to stay healthy. Uh, in, in the in the rotation and be able to pitch for for Vandy. So, anyway, but uh, that's going to do it for us here on the Lockdown vanny podcast. Here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you to the Everydayers. Make sure you continue to pass the word. Find us on social media. Find us wherever you find your podcast, and we'll uh, we'll catch you back here uh, on the on the next one. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday. Anchor down.